With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, this is Kim Hopkins standing in for Dr. Ross Green, who is traveling today. It's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We usually do this podcast the first Tuesday of the month from September to May at 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, We had to make a change for uh, this first one of the new school year and do it the second Tuesday of the month. So thanks if you can join us on this change day. We do our best to help you with your behaviorally challenging child, help you figure out what's going on, and hopefully help you figure out some things that are going to work. Our call-in number is 347-994-2981. Make sure to press 1, and that's if you'd like to ask a question live on the show. I'm joined by two B-Team parent leaders today, Jennifer and Stella. How are you both? Good. Is Stella with us? I think so. I'm showing her as on, but maybe she had to run. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it says she's live, so I'm not sure. Let me (laughs) click it again. Oh, I love technical difficulties. (laughs) I was having technical difficulties earlier, but I was on mute. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Oh, gosh. All right. Stella says she's on, but we can't hear her. And I'm showing two things. I'm showing that she's holding, but I'm also showing she's live. So I don't understand how both oh. could be possible. Um, <laughs> let me see if there's anything else I can do. On- oh, Stella? Nope. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. I'll keep playing <laughs> with this a little bit. Um, oh, it's always so fun. Technology is great until it's not, right? Uh, How is your summer, Jennifer? Do you have any updates for anybody? Anything you want to say to kick off things here? I have a few announcements, but I want to throw it over to you first. Well, you know, it's, it was actually a good summer um, for us family-wise for the most part. Uh, The fall has started off a little more difficult but it has happily nothing to do with my child. I was talking to someone the other day and said, for the first time, I am least worried about what's happening with him than I am with anything else that's going on in my life. And that's a really wow. nice feeling. <laughs> Great, Jennifer. That's Can you fair. hear me? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, now we hear you. Yay, Yay Stella. <laughs> 
Welcome, Stella. It's been a while. How was your summer, and how, do you have any updates for everyone? Uh, yes. Hi, everybody. Jennifer, I'm so glad to hear your update. And hi, Kim. Um, things are progressing. I um, am about two weeks away from going back to Utah to go visit our son at the uh, therapeutic boarding school. So uh, he's getting accustomed to the new school, and our youngest son is at a new high school here at home doing the Catholic private school thing. So we've got a lot of changes going on at the same time. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. The beginning of fall (laughs) tends to be extra chaotic, right? (laughs) Well, it's really great to talk with you both. I've I've missed you both a lot over the summer. Um, A couple of things that that I think... (laughs) couple of things I think we want to make sure to let everybody know about. Um, first off, we have our ninth annual summit coming up on November 15th this year. And Yay. the, um, yes, the theme <laughs> is diversity and collaboration come together, which I'm particularly excited about. I've often talked about how the collaborative and proactive solution model helps to guard against oppression or the misuse of power um, when uh, folks who have different target identities are in contact, and that can happen. So um, I'm so excited to hear Dr. Bettina Love again. We have Charity Bell coming. Of course, Dr. Green will be speaking, and we have a great lineup of uh, various breakout sessions as well. So hopefully folks can join us on November 15th in Portland, Maine. Um, I was asked by a parent uh, who emailed to make sure that we talk about, we we have another uh, new thing since we were last on the air. We're now offering five-week skill enhancement workshops for parents, and these are virtual. Um, These are usually via teleconference, Um, and typically we have no more than six parents or families, really, join us on the call at one time, and it's the same six families for those five sessions. And the goal of the skill enhancement workshop is to really, we don't, we don't go over the basic tenets of the model, but we dive right into giving you feedback on your ALSIP that you've done on your child. And then we spend the last four sessions going over audio recordings of Plan B attempts that parents have done with their children to give very specific feedback on those. Um, and everybody Very kind of cool. takes turns submitting. And, yeah, it's it's really neat. Um, and I do want to let folks know that we've had a request to change the format up a little bit because a lot of parents have um, shown interest, but they are not quite that far along yet, and they would like us to go over the basic tenets of the model and not do such a deep dive on the details. And so... Um, actually, probably later today, I'm going to work on what um, that module will look like, and we'll get it up on the website and out on social media. But um, you can look, and that will have a different name, I guess, and you can look for that to come <laughs> as well. And so, um, yeah, so a couple new things for parents we're trying to do to um, support everyone's learning of the model, because it's certainly <laughs> not easy at first, and we like to do what we can to support in whatever way we can. Um, well, in that, my la- oh, go ahead. I can, if yeah. I can mention 
that we have our first couple learning modules live in the B team. Um, <laughs> I, I had awesome. hoped that I would have the next one up by now, but you know, life has interfered. Um, <laughs> but we are we are working. Life and technology has interfered. Uh, we are working on getting them all set up so that it's it's sort of a learning track. It starts and it's all material that's been put out by Lives in the Balance and discussion about that within the group. So if you're not in the B team and you're on Facebook, then, you know, look for us, look for us in the groups, join us. And we're working on making it so that someone who comes in to the group who's interested in CPS but really doesn't know anything about it yet has a path to learn so that they understand what's happening. It always, I always have to laugh when someone says, you know, why is everyone talking about child protective services? Like it's a good thing. (laughs) 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 It's a different CPS. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yes, I appreciate you mentioning that because the B team has grown huge. We're we're closing in on 30,000 members. Is that accurate? Yeah, I believe Last so, I yes. Checked. Crazy. Yeah, close, coming right up on that very soon. And so um, I really want to thank you, Jennifer, for putting the time into developing those modules. It's a new way that Facebook lets you give some structure to your groups. And I think at 30,000 members, we're finding that we um, – want to have a little more structure. So we're excited to try these modules out and get feedback on them. That's awesome. Yes. Um, no callers yet, so I'm going to do my last announcement before we get to some emails. Some folks have been patiently awaiting uh, responses since May. Um, but we have, Lives in the Balance has a new director of advocacy, and her name is Christine McIntyre. And so if you have been on The Kids We Lose, our new documentary films website, or you've seen the advocacy tab on the Lives in the Balance website, there are, we have a ton of ideas. There's a lot of work to be done in this space. And we finally have someone who's going to organize the effort. And so we're incredibly <laughs> excited to have Christine on board. Um, very excited about that. And speaking of cool. speaking of the kids we lose, it's won four awards for best documentary wow. at four different film festivals. It's pretty incredible the momentum, um, which is awesome. It's it's um, doing exactly what we wanted it to do in that it's starting a very needed conversation about how we need to do different. Uh, for behaviorally challenging kids and their parents and educators and providers. So. Um, lots of exciting stuff happening there. Great. That's so ah, great. That was a lot. There was a lot to say. <laughs> it's been a busy summer. <laughs> it's been a very busy summer. Um, no callers yet, although I was emailed by a B-team parent that she's hoping to give us a call in a little while um, because she wants us to talk a little bit about screen time and um, how you actually use plan B to, to on the screen time issue. And so I actually offered that if she could call him, I'm, I'd be open to doing some role playing. So that could be interesting. I don't think we've done much of that on this show before. Um, no. All right. Yeah. So with, without further ado, let's dive into some emails that we have here. Um, 
The first one, this is a little bit long, and I'm going to um, skip over a few parts just for the sake of time, um, but I'm going to speak to the relevant part. So it says, hi, I'd like to thank you for your research and all the information you have made readily available. I have read The Explosive Child and recently started listening to the podcast, and now I'm attempting to fill out and apply the paperwork. I have an 11-year-old son diagnosed classic ADHD just over a year ago. At the time, we were having a lot of difficulty getting homework started, never mind completed at home. Focus was a big issue, angry outbursts and crying, impulsiveness that was leading to a poor feeling of self-worth. We actually have twins, but only one of them was having these difficulties, and that probably made the situation worse. Because of the difficulties, we felt um, it, we felt sorry that we needed to make significant improvements, so we had our son seen at a clinic to see if there were any issues mentally. After a number of sessions and thorough investigation, our son was diagnosed ADHD, and it was recommended that medication um, generally has the best results in this circumstance. It's been a year now, and I'll say I've seen improvements. There's less emotional blow-ups, homework's getting done. Although focus has always been an issue, there have been improvements there, and he's always trying to improve. Uh, I came across the explosive child. Let's just say when I read the words, a child will do well if he can, I felt like I had the wind taken out of me. I felt that this was exactly what I was looking for. I cannot say I've implemented anything yet other than simply beginning to fill out the difficulties, and that's where this letter to you started. If I'd started answering those difficulties one year ago, I would need a few more pieces of paper, so meaning lots of uh, unsolved problems. <laughs> but it's a year later, and I looked through these questions, and many are similar to the list we were questioned about prior to the ADHD diagnosis. I can see in the questions, meaning the lagging skills, where he has now acquired the needed skills. I haven't even got to start communicating using plan B with him, and I'm already proud of what he's accomplished. I'm truly excited to get started. So where am I leading with this? The question is, how does your collaborative and proactive solutions model view ADHD as a diagnosis? And so <laughs> I've got some thoughts, but I know I've been talking a lot. So do you, either of you want to weigh in? Go ahead, Jennifer. <laughs> well, um, for anybody who has, you know, read my post in the B team, they know that I was diagnosed with ADHD about four days after my son was. Um, our, his doctor said, the more you know, the better you, at, you can advocate for him. And she gave me a list of books, and 30 pages into the first book, I called my husband at work and said, I have ADHD. I've had it my whole life, and no one ever noticed. Uh, you know, because back in the 80s, I was just lazy. I wasn't having executive function challenges. Um, and I will say that understanding that as an adult has made a huge world of difference for me. And it was about a year after I was diagnosed that I started taking medication. Um, it has helped my brain be able to listen enough to collaborate. Hmm. <laughs> and since I started taking it, I have been able to adopt CPS, not just in my family, but in all kinds of parts of my life. Um, 
I think that, and Dr. Green talks about this, uh, I know somewhere in the explosive child, I think, but I know that I have seen him saying that sometimes the medication helps to get a kid to a place where they can participate. And I can say that that's definitely true for me. Um, does the diagnosis change the way that I use Plan B? Not at all. Has learning about the traits that are associated with ADHD helped me? Absolutely. Um, a lot of times we talk about diagnoses don't matter because CPS doesn't change regardless of what it is that you're diagnosed with. But sometimes the diagnoses can give you resources in other places that you wouldn't have without them. That's my thought, <laughs> my rather convoluted thought. <laughs> Not convoluted at all. It's oh, no. No, very well I'm so, said. I'm so grateful for all of the posts in the B team, Jennifer, um, when you put forth that personal reflection. It's just a great reminder um, you know, to all of us. So I, I, I personally appreciate your authenticity and vulnerability with that. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And the only thing I would really add is that when you look at the ALSIS, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, the first, I'm counting here, seven or so, um, you often look at those lagging skills, difficulty handling transitions, doing things in a logical sequence or prescribed order, persisting on challenging tasks, poor sense of time, difficulty maintaining focus, impulsivities in there, um, and considering a range of solutions to a problem, those are often synonymous with ADHD diagnosis. And so yes. what the ALSIP does is take um, a diagnostic label, which again can be very helpful in getting services and treatments that are needed, although I look forward to the day that you don't need to have a diagnosis to get what's needed. Um, but, you know, and, and, and taking it from this list of behaviors, which a diagnosis typically is, which is why we don't talk about diagnoses a lot, but taking the deeper dive into what are the specific lagging skills, and then from those, you know, coming up with examples of how they play out or the unsolved problems because um, that's where the meat of the work is going to be with the kids. So absolutely, sometimes medication is needed just to be able to have the kid come to the table and collaborate for sure. And so that's kind of really our take. You know, we don't talk a lot about diagnoses because of the behavioral aspect of them, and more, we're more focused on lagging skills and unsolved problems. But you can definitely see multiple diagnoses listed in, in the words of the alpha, which just, listed much more specifically. Um, yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Anything if, else to if add, I can add to that? One more thing. <laughs> if I can yeah. add one more thing. Um, I can safely say that some of the skills that I had that were lagging as a kid, I still have as an adult. Some of the mm -hmm. skills that I was that I was lacking that were part of that ADHD diagnosis I grew into some of them I created my own workarounds which may or may not be real successful workarounds and some of them just you know got better as I got older um, 
with my son, the good thing is that because he was diagnosed when he was and I learned everything that I did and I can recognize in him the same challenges that I've had through most of my life, uh, for the lagging skills that he's not there with yet, CPS is helping us to help him learn better workarounds than the ones I created for myself. And I'm so thankful for that. I'll add to Wow, that's, that, I got, um, I got for, chills. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'll add to that my son's ADHD went completely undiagnosed until he was admitted into a residential therapy center this past spring. And um, the the battery of neuropsych testing um, confirmed not only his autism disorder, but also severe ADHD, as well as uh, several auditory processing disorders. And so the team there at the RTC was able to adjust medications for the first time. Um, And now that he's been on meds for several months and has had consistent and ongoing therapy, both individual group and with us through video conferencing. The last visit we had with him a few weeks ago, completely unprompted, he came up to my husband and I and said, Mom and Dad, I want to let you know that for the first time, I'm, I'm noticing a difference in in my feelings and the meds are really helping me to notice this. Mm. And um, he he articulated it so beautifully um, that it's, it's obvious that like Dr. Green always says, skills don't teach skills, but because he's having the kind of therapeutic support and the outlets for um, investigating what his, what his reactions have been and what they can be, um, the, the meds have really helped. And he's he's noticing that, and I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, undiagnosed <laughs> for so long, huh? Well, well, then you too, Jennifer. Right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was <sighs> I was 38 when I was diagnosed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, and it certainly can provide a shift in understanding and what, you know, in your lenses of how you're viewing what's going on, you know, and, 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 um, hmm, wow. Well, Um, and you know, it's great news. A lot of it is chemical and it, it changes. I think when you can say, this is what is at the base of that, it, it makes it very much easier to have that lens change. You know, there's something else going on here. This is not just this person being lazy, crazy, or stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, kids do well if they can. People do well if they can, right? That Absolutely. everyone wants to do well. Doing well is preferable. <laughs> so um, when we when we have when we're fully grounded in that way of thinking, we start looking for answers instead of deciding. Well, it's a lost cause. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> great news, ladies. We do have a caller. This might be the parent who oh, told good. me she was going to call in. So, 
Great. Let me let Hello. her in here. Welcome. Hello. Welcome, caller. Just make sure not to uh, mention uh, identifying information, all right? But we're happy to have okay. you uh, live on the air today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was hoping, uh, I was hoping uh, uh, Dr. Green would be on, but maybe we can catch him next month. Um, I've been a member of the B team, the um, Facebook group, and somebody recently posted a transcript of a podcast from back in last March that I thought was just excellent, where Dr. Green talked about screen time a lot, but it was in the context of a of a uh, a child that was just very very only recently stable, and you know the mom they they just felt it was best they had to really plan C screen time to keep the child stable. And I was really wishing that Dr. Green would talk more for the rest of us who who have used Plan C extensively and have reached a point where, you know, our kids are not exploding, you know, things are going well, but we're still having a big screen time issue. Um, He he even said, um, you know, I'm allergic to the thought of giving a child carte blanche on screen time use. Um, And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I've, I've Plan C my way into where my child just has, unlimited screen time, and it's really too much. Um, but at the same time, I don't have the plan B skills with her. Like, she refuses to join in problem-solving conversations. So I can't get her away from the screen long enough to talk about getting off the screen. <laughs> so I, I feel really stuck and, um, and could use some help. Um, well, we're certainly going to try our best. So I have a couple of questions for you um, just for clarification. Mm-hmm. So you say that she, your daughter refuses to join in problem-solving conversations. Have you been trying to problem – have you had any success problem-solving other unsolved problems other than screen time? Um, very little. Um, you know, I okay. use a lot of Plan C and a combination of listening to – I listen to what she complains about and I listen to – you know, what she whines about to get an idea of her concern. And then I kind of confirm it with her. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'll occasionally ask her, can we, do you have any ideas? And then I'll ask her, you know, I'll throw some of my ideas out. And sometimes we get things solved that way. But, but kind of the formal, you know, plan Bs, like they look like in the book, doesn't really happen. Like if, if, as soon as I say mm-hmm. something like, I've noticed you're having difficulty, she says, um, <laughs> don't try that therapy stuff on me, you know, or if I say something about, you know, you're using a lot of screen time. It's, it's, I know you're just trying to take it away from me. And so I just, she's smart. <laughs> she's very smart. And I just can't, I can't get her, you know, if I, if I interrupt her while she's on the screen, you know, it's, it's a yelling and explosion. If I ask her, I'd like to talk with you, you know, about, about your gaming or your screens, you know, no, no, I don't want to talk about it now. And and there's never a time she wants to talk about it. So I I just gotcha. How stuck. old is she? <laughs> She's nine. Nine and in fourth grade. So and so I feel like nine is a little young to 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 just let loose. Like I have a, a teenager who's fourteen that I, I I think it's more appropriate to hand over managing his time to him. But I don't think a nine year old has quite that level of maturity and skills yet. I have definitely a couple of thoughts and I bet um, Jennifer and Stella do too. But my first initial thought is um, 
And first of all, I was asking about other successes because screen time is no doubt one of the most difficult unsolved problems to tackle. Um, no yes. doubt. Um, they are just yeah, so I, seductive. I, I kind of feel like we've, we've, I've planned C screen time because I thought, well, I want to get better at plan B before I tackle screen time. But it's been mm-hmm. a couple of years now, and we still haven't gotten to screen time because we're not making any progress gotcha. on this plan G in, in, in B in general. Got yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, depending again, depending on your list of unsolved problems, if you're figuring that you're going to prioritize this one because it's because it's one of your bigger fish, that's, that's totally fine. It's just you know, hold on tight because it's going to be a ride, right? And so, yeah. Um, my very first question is, how are you wording your unsolved problem? Because that's going to tell me what you would like the expectation of screen time to be. And so I want to make sure that you're clear about that and, and wording it in, um, in unsolved problem language. Um, to be honest, I, I don't even know what would be a good wording um, because I, I don't know how to word it so it doesn't sound like I want to take your screen time away. You know, when the truth is I, I want her to have screen time but to have less of it. You know, the the sheer amount is just too much. Um, I have no objection to what she's doing on the screen. Like, the content is fine. Um, and I've been trying to, like, kind of work around the edges. Like, like how can we, you know, get, get off, you know, for dinner or for showers. Um, but that doesn't address the, the sheer amount of hours. So do you have any ideas of, of what a good right. way to word, that, word it would be to, to get started on the conversation? Um, I do, yeah. And actually, this is probably the, the big thing that we talk to parents a lot about is um, we actually have a quick two-minute video on the topic on our website as well, is getting clear on what your expectation is. What do you think is reasonable? <laughs> and I heard that you're getting there because you're not worried about content. You're worried about um, – time and then also there's some other tasks like showering and dinner that are important right yeah. and so yeah um and and we see this happen on the b time team a lot like what what is going to work in your house is not going to work in somebody else's house and that's what we try to say to people like you know if plan b is about pursuing your expectation not somebody else's expectation so right. figuring mm-hmm. out what you would think would be reasonable you know is it um, if your expectation is you have three hours of screen time each day um, so long as homework's done first, if that's your expectation, yeah. and I'm not saying it should be. Please don't hear that I'm saying it should be. Again, I don't know <laughs> what, what's going to be good in your house for your kid, right? Uh, I have a right. nine-year-old. She's not really interested in screens except TV, so I don't have to do much of this with her, right? But when that – I can see with my son who's three, it's, it's going to be an issue pretty soon, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> but deciding what's right for your child in your house is the not the first thing you got to do. So if you decide to say, you know, we're good with screens, our expectation is three hours a day after homework's done. Again, I'm making it up. Um, <laughs> what, you would enter what your expectation is, and then the diff the unsolved problem language becomes difficulty um, using screens for only three hours after homework is done. Okay. That's then how you would word the unsolved problem, right? So, yeah. so, so I, around, I guess what I want to oh, see is, is come home from school, have an hour of 
screen time or whatever she wants to do for an hour, then maybe homework, and then some time, and then dinner, and then some time, and then get ready for bed. So almost more to have a, a schedule of others mm-hmm. where there's sure. screen time and yeah. also breaks in between. Um, but um, I, yes, and I, I would specify. Not I'd be pretty had specific like getting her to sit down and make a schedule with me. <laughs> so I've, you know, um, can I interrupt here for just a second? Yeah, sure. Um, this is Stella, by the way. <laughs> this is Stella. Hi, Stella. You had <laughs> hi. You had mentioned, um, and maybe I misheard you. If it could clarify, um, is your daughter struggling getting off of screens to come in for dinner or to go shower? Is that something you mentioned? We've kind of reached um, it's better than it was. So, you know, so, you know, one of the concerns I gathered from observation was that she doesn't like to stop in the middle of something. So, like for dinner, we've kind of reached a point where I will come to her and say, um, dinner is ready or dinner will be ready in five minutes. When you get to a stopping place, come down for dinner. And Uh I usually get like, an irritated response, but then she comes down for dinner most probably about eighty percent of the time. Great. So it's it's okay. better, but, okay. but there's still Good. a lot of uh, kind of noisiness around yeah. <laughs> around being told the expectation. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So okay. So one one suggestion that I have, kind of based on personal experience, um, my son would flat out say when I would start the words I noticed that he'd look at me and say mom is this one of those um plan a dressed in plan b's clothing because I know what you ultimately want from me and you're gonna just you know so he would call me out in that way um yes. so I, I'm completely empathetic to your plight with being called out on on trying to be therapeutic um but I, I wonder, though, if uh, especially since you all have these many solutions on the table for, you know, establishing um, what that stopping point is to come for dinner, um, and, you know, 80% is, is pretty good odds. Um, mm-hmm. and one, one thing that Dr. Green recommended on one of these call-in shows um, a couple of years ago when I was struggling with a back-and-forth plan A slash plan B with my kid, um, he, he flat out said, if you were to ask your son what, what would from after school until shower time before bed look like for you, what would that look like? You know, for, for us, it was actually going to school. What would your perfect day be at school? What would that look like? Let's start, 8 o'clock in the morning. What, what is it that you're doing that gets you to school and happy there? Um, and I got so much information from my kid based on what his point of view was as far as what his expectations were for that time period. So I wonder if, you know, sitting down not with a what's up sort of conversation, but sitting with your daughter and saying, what would your afternoon look like, knowing that you have homework, knowing that you have dinner, knowing that you have to shower, um, and whatever else, what does from after school until bedtime look like that that would be within your expectations? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's worth a try. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of think her perfect would be, 
you know, I come home, I get on the computer, you bring me my dinner to eat in front of the computer, and I stay on until it's time for bed. <laughs> like, that would be <laughs> her preference. She might surprise you. A lot of that might be there, but she might surprise you. Okay, you know, until you ask, so, you don't know. <laughs> right, until you ask, you don't know. Um, right. And um, our our kind of preconceived notions of what they're thinking um, can kind of get in the way of our own lenses in that conversation too. So I, I was so grateful when Dr. Green suggested that I just hear him out and, okay. um, and, uh, that, that gave me a lot of insight with very limited prompts. Yeah, that, that sounds worth a try. Yeah. If, if I could add, um, I made a couple notes while you were talking. Um, in the podcast that um, our B team member had transcribed and posted, I know that I was reading through it this morning, actually, and I know that at some point in it, I talked about the initial conversation that I had with my son, uh, who mm-hmm. was just just a little bit older than your daughter, um, where I gave him sort of a a very brief nickel version description of what plan B was. I don't, I said to him, you know, I, I, I'm not loving the way that, that things are going for us right now. We seem to be arguing a lot and I don't like it when that happens. I don't think you like it when that happens. So I've been reading about something different and you know, this is this is kind of what it looks like, and and explaining it to him like that, so that he understood that he understood the why behind what I was saying to him, gave him the buy-in mm-hmm. to be able to start to participate. So I don't know if you've done that with your daughter, but I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, I have. I have tried that, and and we've read the Adventures of Stretch more together. Okay. And it hasn't really, she's just very, very resistant. Okay. Um, I also said to him a couple times in when I would try to start a conversation with him and he was resistant, I would say, we can walk away from this for right now, but I would really like us to come back to it, you know, at, at you know, after dinner tonight or you know, tomorrow after school, whenever it was that I felt like would be a good time to talk again, because I would say to him, I know that it didn't work very well before when I was making all the decisions. So it's important Mm -hmm. to me that we try it this other way. And sort of that reminder to him that, you know, the, the other option was that it just all be plan A, helped him to think about it a little more. Um, I would also say when and where you're trying to have the conversation with her, that in those very early days, there was no eye contact in our conversations. (laughs) Uh, One of of our most successful first Plan B conversations took place, I've talked about this before, we used the five-finger method, and he was in his bed under his covers with all of his stuffed animals piled on top of him and just his hands sticking out of the top to show me how many fingers. Right. Because then he felt much safer. It was much less confrontational feeling to him because in mm-hmm. the beginning, 
every conversation still felt confrontational. It took a while for him to get used to the fact that things were really going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the we've, other we've, thing I would yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. about screen time, and I don't know if you saw this, I was talking on a screen time post the other day that one of the sort of proactive plan C things that I did around screen time, I sat down with him and I, I watched him. He showed me how to play. I played so many hours of Minecraft and I was so bad at it. And he really enjoyed being able to be better than me at it and to try and teach me how to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, so I watched him with it and I asked him, what is it about playing these games that you enjoy so much? And one of the things that he said to me, and this, he was, you know, this was after things had been very difficult. So he was just in a place where he was recently fairly stable. And he said to me, it's one of the only things that brings me joy. Yeah. Ah. And I said to him, well, what else brings you joy? And the other things that brought him joy were being able to play with a friend who doesn't live local, um, mountain biking, and skiing, Mm. and snuggling with the dog. And sometimes the dog doesn't want to snuggle. Mountain biking and skiing are things that he can't just go and do on his own anytime. And Mm -hmm. his friend doesn't live anywhere nearby. So when my husband was saying, we need, he needs to be on the computer less. He needs to be on the computer less. I said, the answer isn't taking away what brings him joy. The answer is helping to support him in finding other things that also bring him joy so that he has other options he feels good about. I think that's a very, very good point. Like to, to figure out what else besides screen time she would be interested in doing and trying to encourage more of that so that we have yeah. less of the other. Um, yeah. We have occasionally had, had luck with the five-finger method. Do you guys mm-hmm. have any suggestions of questions you might ask if I were, if I were to try five-finger? <laughs> well, the, the first thing for me, five-fingers for us when my son was 14 was thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle for I don't know or not applicable. Mm-hmm. So five fingers for us was actually one finger <laughs> up, down, or middle. Mm-hmm. And um, I would generally start with um, kind of silly questions just to kind yes. of make sure that he's actually listening. So I would say, you like it when I put anchovies on your pizza, you know, and, and we would start there. And then when we would actually get into the yes or no questions having to do with, with the meat of the problem, um, he would, for my kid, he would start with thumbs up, thumbs down. And then as I would drill further with the yes or no, um, then he would actually start talking, and that's when things would get interesting for my kids. So just be ready if you use the five-finger method that it might morph into an actual conversation. Okay. That and one, one thing I did hear you say that, that I would maybe check in on is if through observation you notice that she has a hard time stopping when she's in the middle, right? So that would be a great five-finger, you know, check in with yeah. her. So it's hard to end yeah. the game, to, to pause the game to come to dinner because you're not at a great place. You're not at the end of a part. 
you know, and then I've, I'm trying to think of what other kids have said. Sometimes they're worried that they're going to lose their spot or that, um, yeah. you know, something will happen with the power and, and suddenly they have to stop, start at the beginning again. So I might say it's hard yeah. to cause the game to come to dinner because you think you're going to lose your spot. Or, um, you know, so we what are some of the reasons why it could be? My will be mad at me if I leave the game right now. Mm-hmm. That was a concern for him. Oh, right. Because he was right, playing with yeah, other people. It was a, I'm on a team. My friends right. will be mad if I leave. Right. Right. So trying to imagine those other times that uh, other reasons why it could be hard to cause the game to come to dinner, if that's your unsolved problem, right, and just sort of checking in and imagining what could it be and getting some feedback. But I think that's a great place to start because you've observed that that actually has some teeth to it potentially. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the takeaways with here are getting good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so getting clear on your expectations. So the wording of the unsolved problem, and you might actually decide to chop it up. You might decide pausing the game to come to dinner is one. Pausing the game to take a shower is a whole other one that you'll work on separately. Yeah. You could go about it that way too. Um, and then, as we all picked up on, when you said your daughter sometimes says, you just, I'm not talking to you, you're just going to want to take the games from me. That tells you she's worried that plan A is coming. So finding a yeah. way to convince her that that's not what you're interested in doing because you don't think it works so well. Um, mm-hmm. And then the five-finger method. So you've got some places to start. We do hope you'll check back in with us to let us know how it goes. And I will, I will actually I'll with try that. Awesome. That'd be great. And we're actually at the end of our program, and we did have another caller who just jumped on, but I'm sorry to say we're at the end of our program for today. But I do hope that everyone will tune in next uh, month on the first Tuesday of the month so that we can uh, continue the conversation. Uh, And I want to thank Jennifer and Stella for joining us, and we'll be back again next month. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.